Today I want to focus on Pentecost, maybe with a little different perspective. I love how Nikki said earlier that as she was reading through it, she, was, she saw something new in that. And, and that same thing happened to me this week as we were talking and studying with the pastoral staff that there's an emphasis on this that, that stuck out to me. And I'm going to share that with you in a little bit. That's called a cliffhanger teaser. But first there's this gathering that happens. So on the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. See, this Passover, Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles, these were all, these were all pieces that were uh, major celebration points for the Jews. No matter where they were, they, uh, they would gather together for this. It was the Jewish Harvest Festival that celebrated the completion of the harvest, and, and a long time after the apostles, a, a second day was added, and the entire festival began what it is for the Jews today, a celebration for the giving of the law on Mount Sinai, gathered together in this one house were those 120 people that was mentioned last week in the text. And they were all together, and they were of one accord, and they were devoting themselves to prayer and waiting for God. And suddenly there came from heaven this mighty sound like a rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. This rushing wind idea signifies the very presence of God. It happened when Elijah in the Old Testament was in his cave, when God spoke to Job out of this whirlwind. It's the manifestation of the real presence of God, just like we have the manifestation of the real presence of God with us today in the Lord's Supper, the body and blood of Christ. This was this pillar of fire by night, the burning bush that spoke to Moses. You can take those off the screen right now. Thanks. Divided as tongues of fire appears to rest on each one of them. This burning bush, this presence of God, alive and present with his people. This happened on, on all 120 of them that were gathered together. And now there were, there were more people that just gathered than just those apostles, right? We had, we had people from all over the place had gathered together to, uh, to experience this celebration of Pentecost. You see, you don't just celebrate it where you live. You travel, you pilgrim yourself over to Jerusalem, and that's where you celebrate these three high festivals. Now, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven, and, and the city is filled with all of these people from all over the known world coming to celebrate Pentecost. And God's timing is impeccable, right? To not just have people come from all over, but they'll also return sharing this good news. And in that way, Pentecost becomes a super spreader event. We all know super spreading events because of COVID, but this is a, a, a supernatural, Holy Spirit, super spreading event. People from all over the place experiencing this moment and then returning back home with this good news. Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya beginning, belonging to Cyrene, visitors of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. Now let's see that first slide. There we go. You can see in, in red all of those areas targeting into people coming from all over the place, coming into Jerusalem for that moment. Jewish believers from all the known world, these are not Gentiles, these are not pagans, these are, uh, are Jews and, and also proselytes, which are, are Gentiles who've converted to Judaism. 
So we have the apostles gathering, we have all the people in Jerusalem gathering, and now we have gathered this morning. Right? Are we in tune to the fact that the Holy Spirit is here and present among us? Now, homes in those days, you could, you could, sound would come in, sound would go out. It wasn't really soundproof, but today's homes are, are pretty soundproof, right? We, we, have, we, we deaden the noise from the outside. If you live on a busy road, you know the importance of maybe landscaping that helps block the sound, or, or you have insulated walls and insulated windows that keep the sound from coming in to preserve and protect the quiet and the peace that we have inside. Well, I think today we run the risk of building our spiritual lives in the same way trying to insulate the outside noise, insulate even the sound of God from permeating into our hearts. We have maybe this, this loud cacophony of other distracting noises that we have in our lives that, that prevent us from hearing the, the quiet voice of God speaking to us, where we insulate and isolate ourselves. Sometimes with busyness or other priorities, or maybe if we're honest, maybe our bed is just a little too comfortable on Sunday morning. And then there's this hearing. We've gathered together and now there's this hearing that happens. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. There's an Old Testament reading that we read in the sanctuary this morning. It was the, the Tower of Babel, right? And this, this, this account in the Old Testament where people are wandering in a plain and they, they find a spot where they want to dwell and they're all speaking one language and they can do almost anything. And they start building this tower as a monument to themselves to reach heaven, to, to, to get there on their own. And God, speaking with the angels, realizes that they can do anything they, they, they want at this point. And so to, to bring them humility... He strikes them with multiple languages. Now, yesterday I was having a conversation with my daughter, and, and somehow we got on the subject of Greek, Greek, and I, I, the Greek language. I have no idea how that even happened, but it came out of her mouth, and, and she was talking about it, and I said, I, I, I know Greek. She's like, you do? I don't know, Latin, Greek, and Hebrew. She's like, wow. It, when I was learning Latin, Greek, and Hebrew, you have to understand, I'm not a great language person. As foreign languages, they come difficult to me. Like, I can make straight A's, and then it comes to foreign languages, and those are not A's. But I have to, I have to work really hard at it. And, and there, was a, there was a desk that I sat at in, in my Latin, Greek, and Hebrew class. It was like, there's not very many of us studying those classes, and so they gave us, like, the smallest closet, dingiest desks, and, and the desks that had been inscribed things on them. And I always picked my favorite desk, was in the middle of the room, and there was this picture of a tower, and it said, inscribed underneath it, darn those Tower of Babel people. I don't know why that just came to my head. But in this moment, God strikes everybody with, with, uh, with, uh, uh, with different languages, and there's language barriers now, and they can no longer work together, and, and this sin has separated them, and it moves them apart. The language barrier moves them apart, and the Pentecost moment is the reversal of what happened at Babylon, right? God gives people the ability to, to understand one another, and sharing the message of the gospel brings them together and unites them in that city of Jerusalem. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. This word bewildered uh, means to confound, to confuse it's the condition of our world today. It's confused. Now, this miracle of this sound 
uh, creates confusion and it gets their attention. But the Holy Spirit isn't done yet. His work through Peter's words and his sermon that he's about to share and the baptism that follows is, is, is the completion of this saving work. And I don't know what would have been the most startling in that day. So those of you who have grown up in the church and you've heard the Pentecost text over and over again, you understand they, they, had, they had fires on top of their head and they spoke languages that they had never learned before. But I have no idea if for those who are visiting would have been struck more by the, the, the physical view of the flame or the, the hearing of their own home language or the message of the gospel that was being preached to them. The fulfillment of everything that they had been waiting for. I think that would have struck them most incredible of all. Now, some didn't get it, right? Some heard these messages and, and saw the, what was going on and they, and they just dismissed it. They're, they're drunk. They've been drinking new wine. They often dismiss things that we can't understand or want to develop a rational and common answer for amazing displays. As I was driving into work this morning, I was listening to uh, NPR and Krista Tippett has this show called On Being and and she had a doctor on there who was helping somebody who had massive amounts of cancer. And he came in and all of a sudden the cancer had disappeared. And they were trying to give all these rational, logical reasons for why that would have happened. And I'm like, oh, I know. It's called a miracle. God loves doing those things. But some did get it. And they asked the question, what does this mean? Right? They didn't know it, but they were Lutheran. What does this mean? And Martin Luther would have said, he'd sit up, sit up and say, you should fear, love, and trust in God. Now let me tell you about Jesus Christ. But they say, what does this mean? And it shows the condition of their heart is this curiosity and this openness to what the Holy Spirit is about to pour into them. And Peter, standing up with the eleven, he lifted up his voice and addresses them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. Today, we have the opportunity to hear as well. And we work really hard as a pastoral staff to craft messages and sermons in ways that people can, can grab hold of so that you have the answer to the question, what does this mean? In a way that applies to you or changes you or challenges you or blesses you and encourages you. The Holy Spirit has to be present to open up our hearts to be able to receive those messages. And we're blessed at St. Luke's to have so many different pastors who are, who, are, who are gifted in speaking, and each one of us, we all have our unique voices and our unique styles, and that's a great thing because different people have different listening styles and gravitate more to one or the other, and that's a great thing that we have that diversity. But we preach in a way that hopefully brings and promotes change by the power of the Holy Spirit. I found myself wondering this week how many of us often stand in awe of God, just being amazed at who he is. As I look back in my life, there are many moments in life where I, I witnessed and I saw the work of God, the work of the Holy Spirit in my life and was grateful. Right? When, I, when I see the, the beauty of his creation, if I'm on a boat and I'm surrounded by water, I'm just, I'm just amazed at the vastness of what God has created. When I stand on top of, of a 13,000-foot mountain peak and I look out 
and I see the vastness of God's creation, it just, it just amazes me to see those things. As I've experienced grace in my own recovery and gained a new appreciation for God's forgiveness that he has lavished on me, I'm amazed by God. But God doesn't just want us to be amazed at him for what he does for us, but for who he is. To just stand in jaw-dropping awe of the mere presence of God. To not to come to him with this wish list of things we'd like for him to do, but just to worship him for who he is. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Here's this message that God wants everyone to hear crystal clear today. To call on the name of the Lord, that, that, that means that whoever confesses with their lips, whoever believes and has faith in their souls, will be saved. Will be saved. That's a passive act, right? It's nothing that we do ourselves. We do not save ourselves. We shall be saved. And that be is that, that passive voice because God is the one who's active in that saving. To be saved. And I wonder sometimes if we just kind of have a candy-coated concept of what that means to be saved. That, that we get this fast pass, right? To go straight from here to heaven. But to be saved has this intentional concept that you have a, a, a fate that is dire, that is devastating, that is destructive. Because of your sin, you've been separated from God and you deserve nothing but death. Separation from God. And when you recognize that your sin has put you in that place, that there is nothing that you can do on your own, you are lost. But by the grace of God. In your place of despair, he comes down and he scoops you up, and out of his grace, he takes the punishment on himself to pardon you. He pays the ultimate price for you, his total masterpiece, to reclaim you as his, to save you from the fate that you deserve, to put you in a place of, of honor and salvation for eternity. That's what it means to be saved that when we confess our sins we receive our forgiveness it's not just that man god just one more time let's do it because that's what we do at the beginning of service let's get this over with so that we could get on with our lives but it's god i know that without you i would be lost forever and i deserve nothing but punishment but for the sake of jesus and what he did on the cross for me save me rescue me from sin Rescue me from death. And he is so incredibly faithful that as soon as you utter those words or even think them, he has already fully and completely wrapped you up in his grace and forgiven you and made you whole. And that's the message that people who are gathered together uh, at Pentecost were hearing and believing and were baptized and were saved. And that's the message that, that we long for you to hear, to grab a hold of, to make it meaningful in your life, not just so that it's something that you believe, but something that impacts how you live and be changed. Earlier in the sermon, I, I told you that there was something new that stood out to me, and I'm still wondering what was new for you. I really want to know, so we'll have a conversation later. Uh, but 
this was something that stood out to me as being new because to me, that's kind of where the Pentecost story stops. And I didn't really think about the fact that the people who were visiting Jerusalem for those two days didn't stay in Jerusalem, right? It's not like they came from Rome and decided, well, this is pretty nice. I think we'll stay here. No, after those two days, they went home, right? So they, they came, they gathered, they heard, and then they went. They went back home carrying this hope, carrying this life, carrying the Holy Spirit with them into their place of home, back to all nations. The effect was that the, the, the good news, the gospel was spread throughout the known world, and they were radiating with the power of the Holy Spirit. Once this redemption was accomplished, that, that all this could follow and did follow because of the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's been my prayer for you this week that you've come from all kinds of different places to gather together here, to hear the word of God, to receive the very presence of God, and then go back to your homes and work. Right? How do we live our lives more intentionally when we go? To be intentional to remember that today we have been filled up by the Holy Spirit remembering our baptisms, receiving his word, receiving his grace, receiving the very presence of Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit working in us to go. So how can we be more intentional with increasing the level that we share our faith in, in words and in actions? See, if you, if you have the Holy Spirit filling you, then you start to change who you are. You start to see and exhibit those fruit of the Spirit. Right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those, those just grow in your lives so that other people can see and recognize those things. We're a part of this community here at St. Luke's that is one that gathers people together and then sends people out. As we get sent out, this, see this visual of Central Florida. The visual of Central Florida. There it is. All of these dots represent you, right? The members of St. Luke's that are, are, are clustered together that live in Central Florida. So that, that, that we're kind of at the center there at St. Luke's. And you have all come from your own homes and your own places to gather together right here so that you can hear the word of God and then go back home. And as you go back home, you are bringing the Holy Spirit with you back to where you came from. To live the light of Christ, to live your Jesus adventure, to carry God's word out from here. And let's zoom out a little bit more. Let's look at the state of Florida. Here's where we have people gathering from and sending back out to. We want a bigger impact to see what God is doing through the people of St. Luke's. Check out the United States. And I didn't put this one in, but if we zoomed out even further, you'd see Gary Shushke over in Germany. Consider what the Holy Spirit is doing and where he is sending you. Now, we would multiply this by, by, by two or threefold if we, if we showed not just where you live, but where you go to work, where you go to school, where you go to play, where you go to gather with other people. Those are all places where the Holy Spirit is moving you to go be Jesus to somebody else. And Peter is saying that, that 
he paints this picture of, of Revelation, of the last day, right, of, of the sky darkening and moon turning to blood and all of this kind of stuff that, that talks about that great and magnificent day when Jesus comes back. And sometimes we can get kind of lax to think, boy, it's been forever, but it's probably going to be forever again since he comes back again, so we can just do whatever we want, maybe sleep in today and take care of the chores tomorrow, and we'll take care of witnessing maybe when I'm retired. But Peter has a sense of urgency that the day is near, because think about this. Since the very day of creation, since the fall, in Genesis chapter 3, Jesus was prophesied to come and save the world. That God had this plan of salvation. This plan of salvation was set from the very, very beginning. Now there is only one piece remaining. Right? Because Jesus has already come. He's been born. He lived. He kept the law fully. He died blameless to take on all the consequence of our sin. He stayed in the grave three days. Three days later, he's risen from the dead. Later, he rises up into heaven, sends his Holy Spirit, and then promises, I will come back. There is only one piece remaining in God's plan to totally restore everything. Just one last piece, and it is close. And the sense of urgency is to go back out to those dots on this planet that we, we come from and shine the light of Christ to share the gospel, to proclaim it to people who need to know. What would a, a Pentecost moment be like then for us? Well, it's one where we come together and we, we hear the power of the Holy Spirit working through the word like he promises. We receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit as he brings us Jesus in with and under the bread and wine of the Lord's Supper. Church is not a place that we come to to please God or we come to out of obligation or we come to because that's what our family does. Church is a place that we gather together so that we can be filled by the Holy Spirit to go out from this building and actually literally be the church in the world today. It's a place where we come to get full. It's a place that we take out into the world. It's a place that we bring people back to where God promises to meet us over and over again and fill us with the power of the Holy Spirit through word and sacrament. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, again, continue to pour out your Holy Spirit onto our lives. Open our ears to hear the gospel with, with fresh and new hearts that are open and vulnerable to your grace. God, let that grace permeate our lives. Let it change our lives. God, we thank you that you have saved us, that you are our rescuer, you are our deliverer, you are our savior. We pray this all in our Savior, Jesus' precious name. Amen.